Real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So today is April 23rd, 2020. And um, I mean, I just am uh, a little bit uh, on the fence of saying, well, not on the fence. I can't say that. I don't go on the fence. I want to (laughs) say... I believe that uh, there's a lot more going on than I expected to happen, okay? My expectations are pretty low, pretty low on the fact that I know that this administration that we have now has a powerhouse for a captain, has a lot of good people visibly, visibly that are working for him, but they are outnumbered by those that are working against him. Okay. And I've tried to make that, make that clear. And so my heart has now been filled with love and radiance and wow, this is so much fun type thing only because I saw that finally there is work being done. See, I was expecting William Barr to hit the stage with my president last week. Right. And I was like, man, he stood us up. He stood us up. And now I know why. See, We've been on air together talking for two and a half years. Sometimes it's one one way, but I interact uh, as much as I can. And I realized something. Boy, I guess there are more good guys visibly closer to the president. And I underestimated some people that uh, were that were part of the swamp. And their ability to hit some notes, right? And so I'm pretty excited about it um, because it was it was finally brought to the forefront. So uh, Scott Adams actually called me and said, "You won't believe it, but you know you were the only person talking about Daniel Jones." And you know we have com- I have conversations with a lot of people, and the one person that I respect the most is Scott Adams. His analysis is on point, and considering that he was never in the trenches, and he can analyze things so well, gives him. Imagine if he was in the trenches, <laughs> somebody would be in trouble, right? But um, he, he was like, they just found this link on Daniel Jones that you were talking about. And I was like, they did. They finally published it. And lo and behold, it was the tax filing showed that ex-Senate Intel staffer, Daniel Jones, his group, PQG, we talked about it a lot, paid Fusion GPS, Christopher Steele, and the firm New Knowledge more than $3 million in 2018. Now, I reported that, but you know, I'm not a blue check mark. And I'm not, you know, I'm not the daily caller. So apparently I, my reporting is wrong, but I can tell you more of this. So I told my listeners, you know what? I'm going to play a few minutes of an episode. I tweeted it out. Um, if you are subscribed to me through iTunes, iHeart, Spotify, Simplecast, whatever it is, you can download that episode. It was published on September 24th, 2019. And Here's a little snippet for you to listen to. Oh, Angle. And this was their last hallelujah shift. Little kids, you and your stupid pediatric massage company. It's happening. Electric chair would be far too kind. Taking them out and hanging them or death penalty, far too kind. 
make them live in a four by four digging all day. That is better. Take a listen to what else this clown has to say in terms of the conduct of the president of the United States. And why? Well, partly because the president of the United States uh, recognizes that there is in this whistleblower's documents terrible evidence of the president's corruption, of his willingness to undermine the free electoral system in this country, to involve foreign powers in our election, uh, and also to try and get involved at the president's behest or with the attorney general's connivance, the attorney general who is trying, meanwhile, to to bring about proof that there is a deep state conspiracy that led to the Mueller investigation. That's what some of these comments in the whistleblower's remarks well, are let's about. Get to that. Some of what what the, what the president is talking about when he's saying, "Oh, I want you to talk to Barr." Barr is trying to deliver, and I have this, as do other reporters from other sources, to deliver evidence uh, that perhaps this has all been a deep state conspiracy, just like Donald Trump alleges. Like he alleges. But I told you that I heard the phone call. I told you that Daniel J. Jones not only wrote the whistleblower report, but I told you that they met on April 10th and they discussed it. Adam Schiff and him. How do I know? I heard the conversation. I also told you that he was the one that crafted the Dr. Ford letter that Feinstein held. Oh, you know, Feinstein was his mommy. Yes, she was. And he had the Penn Quarterly Group. I told you they funded Fusion GPS. Told you that they paid. How do I know? Because I saw the billing materials. I saw the money. I saw it in front of my eyes. Who was getting paid and when? So the whistleblower, Daniel Jones, he's not the CIA. He's not a CIA operative, right? He's not government linked, yet he holds one of the highest clearances. This is why McGuire had said nothing, but the OIG apparently trusted him. Daniel Jones wrote the complaint. And back in 2019, I told Feinstein she was going to be next. She was going to be next. Because that's the way the cookie crumbles. They will not let up. There's murders that they will put over her head. That is how she became mayor. Look into the history. We have everything we need from a private perspective if we subpoena the right companies. I heard it. And then I saw the payments. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of like, all right, how many times does someone have to say it? You know, nobody has to listen to me. Nobody does. But what they could do is take what I say and prove me wrong. Uh, kind of like in the articles that I wrote, and I dropped a bunch of Easter eggs in there, a bunch of them. And you guys have no idea how I fight with my editors all the time. Well, you can't put that in there because that doesn't make sense. Just leave it there. It's needed for someone else to see. Who's that someone else? Just good people <laughs> that know what to look for. And um, I thought that the best way to kind of talk about good people that know what to look for is by playing a special clip um, that um, someone sent me, which was very interesting, really nice general. And I thought I would play it. Let me find it and I will play it for you guys because I wasn't expecting to, but I think, you know, why not? I mean, everyone, you know, had already painted, you know what, before I play, let me just say something. Yesterday, I hope all of you caught the fact 
that Roger Stone was set up by his own people. Okay. Set up by his own people and not his own people like, Oh, you're my friend and I love you or whatever, but people that he worked with, they hung him and Manafort out to dry. You do know that Roger Stone and Manafort used to have a company together, right? They've been friends for decades. They're all friends. So what better thing to do than to squeeze Donald Trump by squeezing his friends? And that's not how it works. Especially um, when friendships have nothing to do with business, you know, because these clowns mix business and pleasure. You know, it's called blackmail. They just assume that actual real relationships have blackmail too. They do. They really, really do. So um, I'm going to play this clip. It's something, uh, general it's something out of the ordinary. And I think uh, the listener that sent it to me, but we're going to hear Major General Pauli Vallely talk. Take a listen. I have a question for you from our chat room on the, uh, the American Arc Radio, uh, Radio fan page. Do you know who the individual calling himself or themselves, if it's an organizational effort, Q? Uh, what do you know about that? Was that part of the PSYOP? What are you at liberty to say? Or is it a bunch of bunk? Well, let, let me just uh, tell you the Q, Q lines tied to information. Um, and it comes out of a group uh, called the uh, Army of Northern Virginia. Okay? Yep. Now, this is a group of military intelligence specialists of over 800 people that advise the president. And so the president doesn't have a lot of, a lot of confidence in the CIA or even the DIA defense intelligence agency as much, uh, anymore. So he relies on these real operators. Most of them are special operations type of people. Yeah. And so this is where Q, Q picks up and gets some of their information as I understand it. Okay. So I just wanted to play that, not saying anything on that, but I just want to tell people there are a lot of people within, there's a lot of people that have gone through the revolving doors of the intelligence community. Lots of people. They've gone in through the revolving doors like Daniel Jones is a private individual with very high clearances on the visible up and up. Remember, he was the one that had a free pass to investigate every single intelligence community except for a few. Uh, you know, some of them are known as not real organizations, right? And so he had the pass to sit there and write 6,000 pages worth of rubbish to say just how bad it was. Of course it's bad because they privatized everything. So as an intelligence person, right? Um, you know, actually, when I was being called out by ProPublica saying that, uh, you know, oh, I found her registered in Florida. Do you know where she found me registered? Yeah, at the core of the information warfare base for the Navy. That's where she found me. So, but she didn't elaborate on it because then it would be like, what? So a lot of people go through the revolving doors of um, intelligence as private individuals, as uniformed and then private, as private and then uniformed all the time. Now, I believe that entering the intelligence community, which means you get to see things other people really don't, really tests your character. 
really tests your character and your true colors show while you're in those trenches. So when you hear someone is a career officer or whatever, and they use their name, they use their picture, they have a bio, you automatically know where they sit and where they stand and how they're positioned. And that is all I'm going to say for now on that. Okay. So now let's go back to this Russia hoax. Let's go back to the next impeachment cycle. This is step four. There's not going to be another one. I told you that. And this is why Twitter called me a bot because I told everyone this whole coronavirus thing was all about impeachment. And you're going to see it come through. And the, the thing is, is that what we need to do is use, um, is use the, uh, how do I say, the time to dig more information. So let's talk a little bit about this Russia hoax and this, uh, you know, information that, uh, the daily caller so nicely put out. Um, and thank goodness they did. And thank goodness people, uh, saw exactly what was going on and decided to do this organically. Like, uh, you know, Scott Adams said, he, he, he scolds me all the time. He's like, Tori, you can't just put stuff out there and say, well, you know, I'm just going to say it and you could do whatever you want with it. I'm okay with that because you can dress me up with, you know, a tinfoil hat. You could, but I've been wrong about nothing. The only thing you can hold over my head is RBG, but you know, we'll get to that at another time, right? It'll come, you know, I just have to sit on it. Or the fact that I said after Labor Day, Barr would go, you know, the future changes all the time when things happen. Okay. But that's still a fixed point in time. It's just what time. Uh, so I'm going to just put out the stuff and my listeners like to listen to my little Easter eggs because everything that I've put in there is to guide you to understand. I told you about Atkinson, right? He's gone. Mm-hmm. And that's where they panicked. I mean, this is around the time of the coronavirus, right? This is, this is where we were talking about it. Okay. So let me regroup because I'm just really excited because I just realized how awesome this is all panning out to be. Okay. When Daniel Jones was working under the Obama administration, he was able to obtain every single playbook, every single playbook the intelligence community had that he was able to obtain except for, you know, not real organizations. So he is the best one to craft and manipulate the system. This guy had a lot, a lot of LLCs and companies. The core one being PQG, Penn Quarterly Group. I've been talking about it since 2018, only because People don't look at the fine details, you know, it's just a little bit too intricate. And then they're like, well, that would mean that I'd have to assume. So it's great that Chuck Ross actually found tax filing showing that nonprofit groups. Okay. So again, nonprofits skirting taxes, skirting some reporting, right? 
linked to Fusion GPS and Christopher Steele, paid nearly half a million dollars to a cybersecurity firm that contributed a report on Russian disinformation to the Senate Intelligence Committee. Now, I just want to tell you that all of these companies fall under Global Strategies Group. And it says, the firm has gone by several names, Popoli, Yonder, New Knowledge. In the end, even TAC, the Analysis Corporation, has been purchased by Global Strategies Group. And pay attention to how many Global Strategies Groups you see. Their headquarters is in Luxembourg, and that's not happenstance. Okay? So apparently, a cybersecurity firm that contributed to a 2018 Senate Intelligent Committee report about Russian disinformation received nearly half a million dollars that same year from two nonprofit groups that partnered with Christopher Steele and Fusion GPS. Advanced Democracy Inc., which is mentioned in my article from seven months ago, the Democracy Integrity Project, the one that I mentioned in my article seven months ago, are the two nonprofits that paid Popoli Incorporated, an Austin-based company. Wait till we get to Austin, Texas. Oh my gosh, but it's not time yet. Is better known as New Knowledge. So they all got paid. Daniel J. Jones is the founder of those, is a former FBI agent. Wait, let me tell you something about Daniel J. Jones that they're not telling you. To my listeners, I have told you that whenever you see on someone's resume, teach America, something without borders and all that stuff, that's code for being trained for the black arts of the swamp. It's like uh, Camp Peary, but not really. You know, there's different ones. Teach America is one of them. So just so you know, he went to teach America to teach, to be a teacher. And then he went to the FBI and then he left. Mm. FBI was just him learning how to operate the systems, introduce, get the clearance and then get out. And this is why he was chosen by the Senate Intelligence Committee uh, as an aide for his investigation into the CIA torture during the war on terror. (laughs) See how this is all coming up and you're just like, oh my gosh, I've totally been duped. So anyway, in this article that Chuck Ross so nicely put together, he's such a good writer. I mean, I wish I had the ability not to have ADD when I write. It's it's enough when I talk, but when I write, because I want to put out so much information, I could sit there and write a book and then hit publish. So he put it so eloquently, just enough for those that want to look more into it, but give you the sauce of it. So I envy that, uh, his ability to do that. But it's probably because he's been able to freely speak for so many years and people like me that have had a good strong leash, have lurked in the shadows and aren't able to find it difficult to convey messages because, you know, it's kind of new. It's kind of like, you know, the baby suddenly hearing with a hearing aid and didn't know what to here first, you know, anyway, so he put it out there saying that it was undisclosed through that quagmire that new knowledge was on the payroll of ADI and TDIP. And Jones told the FBI in a March 2017 interview, I guess, that he secured a $50 million in funding from a group of wealthy donors and secured services of steel and fusion GPS to continue exposing Russian interference in the 2016 U.S. presidential election. He told them. 
Simpson, Glenn Simpson, and Fusion GPS co-founder Peter Frisch wrote in their book, Crime in Progress, that John Podesta was the most helpful in setting up fundraising meetings for Jones's ventures. (laughs) Podesta agreed to contact some friends out west on Jones's behalf and told him to drop his name in talks with other potential supporters. Because apparently Podesta's name has a lot of weight. It was a brave gesture. He could have easily chosen to stay out of it altogether, given the fact that he had served as Hillary Clinton's campaign manager. Oh, brave gesture? You mean bold because they are unapologetic and really don't care. They will stop at nothing to maintain power. They do not care if you know. They really don't. And BuzzFeed doesn't care. And, you know, fake news, everybody doesn't care. Nobody cares. And for some reason, everybody thinks that George Soros is like the ultimate king of everything. Dude, he's only the front-facing guy. Again, front-facing overlord. There are people with no names on the door. You don't even know what they look like that do a lot more. They're the ones pulling George Soros' string. You will understand that as time unravels. Because kind of like you were like, wait a minute, this Daniel J. Jones guy was really writing all these letters? Yes, he was. He was really funding all this stuff? Yes, he was. But he was just a pawn. And George Papadopoulos put it perfectly. Why is everyone looking locally? All these people, Daniel Jones, Adam Schiff, Comey, Brennan. Well, except for Brennan because he's so linked overseas. Clapper, all of these clowns, you know, domestically in the U.S. are nothing. You could take a broom to them once you take out the ones that are outside of the United States. What we need to do is being, is looking outside of the United States, across the pond, where the actual central nervous system of this discussion cabal is that's what we need to focus on and he's a hundred percent right he was stuck in the middle of it and they really thought they got him i had more faith that they wouldn't (laughs) but they they nabbed him you know kind of like they did they wanted him to plead guilty they wanted to put him in a box they wanted to hold his feet to the fire but the thing is thank god george didn't dip himself further You know, he obviously didn't have anything to give them and they felt duped. They thought he had more. And that could be probably because someone was looking out for someone. They thought he had more. So this is where they failed. This is why he got 10 days and how to give back the money that they gave him, which was so bizarre. So, and the only reason they did that was so they can backtrace it, you know, trace back to where and when. But that's another story. So now things are studying, starting to unravel. And now I'm starting to understand as to why, uh, you know, Attorney General Barr has delayed, um, you know, his, his presence to be seen standing next to the president during these coronavirus announcements. Um, because, you know, you need to pull that thread in order to, you know, relieve it all out, like pull it all out. And this is what we're seeing. And so now I'm going to have to be patient and sit down and say, all right, I guess it's going to go this way. Let's do it that way. But what we're going to see now is just a booming economy 
while he's fighting this. And while all of you are out there screaming, oh my gosh, do something. Oh my gosh, let's rest someone right now. Oh my gosh, I'm losing hope. You have all these clowns, you know, working for you. You're bringing them closer to you guys. They're useful clowns. We need clowns. You need clowns. Everybody needs clowns. Do you know why? Because as they sing and dance, we find their choreographer. That's the way it goes. I mean, yesterday I had Roger Stone on. He's been ungagged for over a week. His nice friends across the media with their blue check marks gave him whitewash type, which I'm hoping Lou Dobbs will do justice more, uh, you know, interviews. None of them would tell him these people caused you Manafort and Cohen to go in because they're owned. These are the things you need to see. You, the people, you, the people see who's giving you the information, who's obfuscating and who's pretending to give it to you. You, the people see that that's all that needs to happen is just for you, the people to have an objective view and look at your president, look at what he says. And just because he tweets clowns out doesn't mean he's not putting it on there for spotlight. Let's just bring it that way. And on top of that, you got to give a little bit of love, right? You got to give some clowns a little bit of love. So they think that you don't know. Forgotten men and women of our country will be forgotten no longer. The time for empty talk is over. Now arrives the hour of action. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. Every decision will be made to benefit American workers and American families. America will start winning again, winning like never before. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. Do not allow anyone to tell you that it cannot be done. No challenge can match the heart and fight and spirit of America. We will not fail. Our country will thrive and prosper again. Your voice, your hopes, and your dreams will define our American destiny. When America is united, America is totally unstoppable. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr., and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our Legal Defense Fund. Any donation is welcome. Hi. To donate, I'm go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you and God bless America. I'm Laura Loomer, and I'm running for Congress in Florida's 21st Congressional District. Wouldn't it be horrible if we lived in a nation where journalists were silenced just because they confronted the political and media elite? You might think that could never happen in America, but it did. And to me. For confronting people like Hillary Clinton on her corruption and Ilhan Omar for her ties to radical Islamic terror groups, I have been banned on pretty much every single social media platform. And if that doesn't sound extreme enough, I'm also banned on Uber and Lyft. I know, I cannot understand that last one either. 
When this all happened to me, I contacted the media and members of Congress. I asked them for help. I kept calling, I kept emailing, but I never received a reply. And that's when it hit me. I'm a well-known journalist who has the phone numbers of the most powerful people in politics and media, yet I couldn't get any assistance. What on earth would the average American do if the same thing happened to them? I realized then that if I wanted to see change, that I would need to run for office. The American people deserve representation that listens to and acts on their concerns. So here I am, running for Congress in Florida's 21st Congressional District, because the American people deserve a voice and a representative who, like President Trump, will keep the promises they make and speak up loudly and clearly for that silent majority. All right. Welcome back, everyone. And again, like the president said, your voice will be heard. Your voice is louder than anything. That is the biggest weapon you have. And this is why, you know, I even put the tweet about that governor from North Dakota, Bill Gates is, I shared the tweet, share it far and wide. This is the Chinese social credit score. This is the man who will unleash the gates of hell. He wants to assign risk scores to everyone. So thank you everyone for the DMs. I'm trying to catch up to all of them, seeing all of this. We need to just, you know, keep sharing, keep talking and talk to your neighbor, talk to your friend, tell them about what the president is doing. Call out every single person you see doing wrong and vote for the people that you know will stand up for you. Um, and remember, you can always go to the stonedefensefund.com and help Roger Stone because he really does need help. He really does need help. Okay. So having said that, Let's get back to Diane Feinstein and Daniel Jones. So, uh, Russia hoax. First of all, let's talk about the Russia hoax coming back. Did you guys see the redacted reports that say, oh, look, I want to know. I'm still trying to track down. And if any of you know, please let me know who first published the article that said here in this document, it tells us that the Senate Intelligence Committee knew there was Russia collusion. Can you guys tell me? Because I need to find out who that reporter is that can read through redactions because that thing was, you know, fully redacted. And so they're bringing this back up because they're revamping the Russia hoax. And I don't know about you, but I'm tired of letting them being able to do this. And they want to do this while you're sitting at home and can't go out and meet people while they're sitting at home and can ensure that they can manipulate what you can hear every single day. YouTube came out and said that they will be deleting information that they believe is misinformation. They said it. So it's super odd that no one is, you know, no one is screaming at the top of their lungs. You know, no one, no one. They, you can see all the evidence now that they had planned all of this, that they knew that they had lost the elections and there was no way. Well, they knew that it was a strong possibility that no matter how much cheating they did, that President Trump was going to win. They knew it, right? They already knew it. 
their PSYOP using Mockingbird Media didn't work. The fake polls telling us how Hillary Clinton was going to work, win, didn't work. So their idea was during the transition period to annul the elections, and that failed. Then right before the inauguration, Barack Hussein Obama and his team of experts got together and decided to approach the Supreme Court justices and find a way where they can delay the inauguration. That didn't work because they were not willing to go down in history like that, but they will still get themselves some. Okay, so that didn't work. So the next plan went in and they wasted no time whatsoever remove the people that are in the president's orbit that know where their bodies are buried, that know what shenanigans we done. Do you know what Manafort knew about their transactions? That's why they went so hard on him. Remember, he and Roger Stone had a lobbying firm way before anything, and they worked for everyone, including the Podestas, right, guys? Cohen and them, right? Right? Are you seeing the picture now? Because if the Mueller investigation was really about checking out into Russia collusion and considering that, oh, Podesta's emails were hacked. The DNC server was imaged and, oh, it was hacked, not imaged. They, they, they're still pushing that lie. You know, oh, you know, all this. Then Mueller would have called people like me. Mueller would have called people like you that were sharing information, you know, that had parts of the server that had seen all this stuff. The real whistleblowers, the ones that actually had information, he would have thrown me in a dark prison. You wouldn't have even known my name, but that was not the goal because see people like me are easily taken care of. And he made sure of that in 2017. They all made sure of that in 2017. Uh, you know, but they tried to, that is. So here we have a corrupt special counsel investigation that diffused real assets, right? So people were getting lawsuits for talking about Seth Rich, right? Everybody, including their own assets. So they were using these civil suits, right? So they can gain information about the criminal suits. It wasn't happenstance that they came to me on the day they came, which was so weird to say, you need to testify about what you know about Seth Rich. Uh, I don't need to do anything. You're three years too late, dude. If you want me to come in and answer questions, I'd be more than happy to do so. And you know what? I'd be more than happy to provide you everything I've seen and where I sent it at what time. Funny, Obama's lawyer suddenly tail between the legs and gone because he wasn't talking to just a regular citizen journalist. And that's the thing is, is not. That's the thing. They come at you and they terrify you. And then they surround you with snakes, just like they did to Matt Couch. They've asphyxiated that guy because what because he was a patriot why because he believed in good why because he believed in the truth and he smelled it and stayed on that scent and that is what every single one of us should be doing right standing by those that push for the truth regardless of their method sometimes it's always message over messenger right because for some reason they've brainwashed all of us thinking well look at them they they're here and they have a blue check mark and they have all these friends and look at these galas and oh dear and armored. No, nobody cares for all, you know, you know, the, the best truth teller is sitting in a trailer park somewhere in New Mexico. I'm just saying. So here we are at the point where all of this is coming out and they're revamping Russia hoax.
And you have to ask yourself, if they're revamping Russia hoax and we control the Senate, how are they doing it? Are you there yet? Because even the Republicans are also Democrats. They're one in the same. It's called self-preservation. This is why they say nothing about what happened to Cohen, what happened to Manafort, what's happening to Stone. Because they already know. They know that it's a hoax. They know it was a setup. And they counted on the fact that these men had a personal bond as opposed to just business, right? A personal bond. And this is how they will get to him. But you know what? It didn't work. Because... It's not about self-preservation. It's about doing the right thing and sometimes at the right time. They underestimate humans for their innate ability of good. They really do underestimate. I want to show you how the mainstream media... I'm going to switch gears here. I'm going to show you how the mainstream media and sock puppets respond. So suddenly Katie Turr puts out this uh, tweet. Oh my gosh, you know, uh, Kim Jong-un is brain dead or he's dead, whatever. CNN does it. And then everyone retracts. But then you see some people riding on a horse. Oh, we hear he's stable. Misinformation, disinformation that's purposeful. Now, I am telling you now that when the Berlin Wall fell, before it fell, discussions ensued between East, uh, um, between, uh, East and West because they had to find a common ground on how to mend and bring West and East Germany together, how they would find a commonality to merge it together. Um, how they would find the tools to be implemented to merge East and West with fewer casualties. So what do you think is happening? So I'm just saying hashtag a unified Korea. And this is probably why this coronavirus is being perpetuated even more. This is why they are being, I'm just telling you. If you can see the hints that everything is going according to the goal that you want, why are you not patient? Probably because you're like me, right? You want stuff done yesterday. But why are you not patient? It's because you lose faith without seeing things. But if that were the case, wouldn't Christians have been phased out by now because they didn't see things? Because they didn't see him walk on water. You know, I didn't see him walk on water. That was done, you know, eons ago. So I lose faith. Make sense? So look at the things you have. And then it all makes sense. Look at the things you have. And put one and one together yourself. And you're going to be like, I don't have time for this. I got to worry about bills and everything. All right. Then just listen to your president. And then as you actually listen and take in what he says, because sometimes we miss a lot, you know, kind of yesterday in a nice joking manner. Oh my gosh. And I loved it. He's like, yeah, you know, if I let Fauci speak, I'll let anybody speak. 
You get what I'm saying? He knows who these tools are. He knows what they're up to. He knows where it's going. And as I said, this is the year of light. The year before was the preparation for the boomerang. Could you imagine deploying a boomerang to kill something and it comes back and smacks you dead in the center of your face? This is exactly what they're experiencing. And they just don't know it. They can't even see that boomerang coming back. Well, some of them can. I mean, look at Pelosi. She's really freaking out right now. She's super freaking out right now. Look at every single person that's sitting there talking. Look at Schiff. He's absolutely making no sense. That's because their underwear, you know, we're seeing the boxers with the red hearts peeking from their pants and they can't stop their own hands from pulling it down. They're the ones doing it. They are pulling their own pants down and that's the best weapon you can use against people like this. And for all of you out there that are told things like, oh my gosh, this is, I, I, I've had people say, well, I don't know, it's kind of like conspiracy theory. Really, is it? You know, conspiracy theory was one term. What's the other term that they've started to coin? It's all about definitions, you guys. Uh, batshit crazy is another one. That's actually cue music, right? Uh, there's tons of definitions that they've started using, uh, you know, to, 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 whole, to put, you know, put you in a box, so be very true to yourself and stay objective and listen to what the president says. And then you have absolutely nothing to worry about because it'll all make sense in the end, I guess. Uh, and you'll be like, wow, I couldn't see it. Yeah, you couldn't because you could be standing in a backyard with tall trees and think you're in a forest. And once you step out of it, you're like, wait a minute. It was only a backyard, not really a forest, right? So you feel lost in the forest right now, but hopefully you can follow that little light out because there's always a light at the end of the tunnel, right? It's not always dark. I want to jump to uh, something that I wanted to play. I'm trying to find it. Let's hope this is it because um, my computer's not being very friendly. Let's see. Wait. So you're saying that the conversations he has with other leaders that are filed under presidential archives, that is exactly what has to happen because confidentiality and trust that there is no, um, you know, publication of conversations that leaders of nations have with the president because when they talk to each other, there's that mutual trust that no one will know what we talk about. No one will get a transcript is a cover up. That's what he's telling you, that the law, you should read executive order 13489, says that everything's sealed under presidential seal, presidential archives. Hello, hello, hello. And even before that, all of these were confidential because the conversations the president has with someone else are supposed to be highly confidential and people and clowns like this idiot, right, who got a Pulitzer for working with foreign nationals on Watergate. Gosh, could you imagine all of us had the wrong idea about Nixon, right? Can you believe that? That Nixon was put down to be one of the most corrupt when it turns out he might have been a good guy after all. These clowns, these people are telling you that what he did, which is the law, is a cover-up. They're telling you that you have the right to see transcripts of conversations between presidents. Are you kidding? Who's so when this? the president sits here uh, somewhat out of control, not sitting uh, in his statements about treason, etc., uh, then we are reminded again of what, read Bob Woodward's book, my colleague Bob Woodward's. There is a reason 
that people around this president, whether it's Mattis, McMaster, uh, others, Tillerson, believe to their bones that this president of the United States is not capable of handling national security. Hold on. Mattis, McMaster, Tillerson, Tillerson, who I called out. So this was like way back in the day. And I was having a conversation with um, Salty. She goes by Salt salt Water. Gosh, I'll find her Twitter handle when I press play. But we were having a conversation and Tillerson was in Africa. And I said, oh, man, it's it's Thursday, right? She was like, yeah, oh, Monday he's fired. And she's like, stop. And I was like, yep. It is. And guess what? He was fired. Why? Because these are deep state cons. See, these are the de- the quasi deep, right? The ones that are like, all right, the foundations are there. These people are in power. We're just going to skirt it and do the best we can and hold this out. So basically, they're like Band-Aid, hold the front, hold the front until we're gone and, you know, whatever happens, happens. They don't want to go into history as the rebels. They don't want to be the George Washingtons, right? They want to be the Garfields. They don't want to be the people that set the revolution across the world on fire so that people can be free. Uh, You know, they just want to be the Truman. That's the problem. Uh, This president isn't capable of handling national security, but he went to North Korea. He diffused a situation that was on edge. He is making progress. He is strengthening the economy. He is winning like nobody's business nobody's business and yet he is not capable hmm. interesting security offense that he is a danger to the national security of the united states and that's what this is about he's a danger to you he is a danger to pedophiles he is a danger to corrupt clowns he is a danger to the new world order that's what he's a danger to he is the savior of the american people he is the one that supports the u.s constitution just like it was envisioned he is the person that says a good government is one that does not fear its citizens to be armed that is what he is he is not a danger he is a danger to you he is a danger to Schiff. He is a danger to every single clown on the planet. Huh? That's who he's really. And that's who he really is. And guess what? That's why we love him. That's why we support him. And that's why we surround him with good people and patriots. And the thing is, you're conditioned. I see so many of your responses on my tweets. So many of you are conditioned to say, I'm losing hope. This is just, stop. That's exactly what you want. I mean, the the military can't even spell it out for you anymore. We were talking about asymmetric warfare. Wow, U.S. Army puts out a tweet. Check out this great video of operational advisors of the asymmetric warfare group as they unravel the impossible to solve current and emerging problems. They help soldiers today win tomorrow. I mean, how much more blatant can they be? Space Force is telling you you're just not conditioned to see it. We have been trained over decades. All of us have been trained over decades to be spoon-fed information. Do you know how many people I have saying, oh, what does that mean? 
or um, tell me this. And it's like, well, if I have to tell you, then you don't want to look into it. Then I can't help you because if I'm going to spoon feed and if you're going to spoon feed your neighbor, right? What's the point? I mean, you can walk them through. You could say this, you know, look over here, read this, open your mind. Just think, open your mind, allow information to actually come in. Don't try to draw the information. Let it just drop in. And then you start to put the pieces of the puzzle together. You know, this Russia hoax had key players that nobody was talking about, right? Key players nobody was talking about. They were telling you, here's where you got to look for Russia hoax. Here's where you got to look for Russia hoax. And you know what sucks? Is that the top of all the establishment agencies, the top, the creme de la creme, were infected. And their infection was spreading downwards, kind of like a pyramid with champagne. You fill the top glass, right? And then it dribbles down. So even though we know the lower ranking ones are not that infected, I mean, we're giving them antibiotics, but it seems like a lot of them, it's far too late. Maybe we should throw them in the bucket of coronavirus. So this is a huge issue for all of us to come to the realization That the agencies that you have been funding, the agencies that you have been relying on to protect you, to protect your children, your livelihoods, and your freedoms, were the ones that were orchestrating the removal of your rights, the removal of all your freedoms, and to cause harm to you. As you realize that, it is really, really hard to anyone to come to, you know, to terms with it. I have friends that are, uh, you know, all across the world. And, you know, sometimes I'll talk about their boss or a friend and I'll be like, dude, that person is like so bad. Oh, Tori, why do you say, because I've seen the blackmail on that person. Yeah, well, give me proof. Mm, I can't do that. That's a violation of my oath because I saw that under oath. I mean, the only time that I would do it is if, um, I don't know, Senate Intel Committee and the new House Intel Committee that I'm really hoping Laura Loomer sits on uh, will ask me those questions. So I tell them this and it's almost every day and not very close friends, right? Uh, We're talking super far friends, like friends we talk once a month, you know, come back, come back to me all the time. Darn it. You were right. Yep. I have friends that I tell them, hey, this journalist, like, for example, today I called out some some guy, listen to this, that dominates North Dakota's radio waves. For some reason, people think he's like the bee's knees and has absolutely zero to say. He literally gets talking points, right? This guy named Scott Hennon. He bootlicks the actual governor of North Dakota. Now, I've told all the people that I know that are, you know, hard workers, oil workers, farmers. Don't listen to this guy. He's a tool. He got a plaque from the, from the group of all the corrupt, right? So I'll call out anyone. Prove me wrong. Bootlicker. And he's sitting there pumping this governor that is going to not only for his state, but for the rest of the United States, annihilate us in regards to privacy rights. And I sent that tweet out about an hour ago, right before the show. 
and said, you need to share this far and wide. This governor, obviously, aside from being an executive of Microsoft, aside from being besties with Bill Gates, and aside from me showcasing you how a reporter actually asked him a question, you know, and it was softball questions and he was still nervous. Do you know why? Because how dare anyone ask a question? He is God. Why would you dare ask him a question? He asks him a question, simple, like, you know, with Bill Gates. And he's like, I'm not going to get in the middle of the president and Bill Gates. What the? You're the governor of a state in the United States. How can you put Bill Gates on the same platform and compare him with the president of the United States? Now, before we break, let's, well, let's keep it till after the break. Because we're going to talk about the gates of hell being unleashed on this nation and what the president is trying to stymie. And it'll all make sense as to why he said, I don't think it's a good idea that Georgia opens up yet. Because you're going to be like, wait a minute, he wants to get us back to work. But... There's things like this that we need to be aware of because the only way that you can see where the corrupt cancer of the cabal is, is by looking at how they act when they have full authority. And so I did an article on this governor, Governor Burgum, right? I did an article on him and I explained that he's pushing this Care 19 app and I did it about a week and a half ago. And it's on Tory Says, and it's on Loomerd as well, and it's on Kennington Says as well, the Kennington Press site, KenningtonPress.com. It's on there too. I'm going to do a follow-up on this because what people are not seeing is the truth in their face, and that's because we've conditioned, we've been conditioned to not be able to see it. We cannot see the truth because we are blind. It's like we have cataracts, and the cataracts is fake news, Right? So we need to excise that, you know, take that off, cut it out and start seeing things for what they really are. Russia hoax. This is 2.0 revamped. And in an article, I said, they're not done yet. It was her turn. It's all about coming back. So we're going to get to the nitty gritty and see how this war and what is going on during coronavirus is actually panning out. And for all of you out there, pray every day put on that armor of God, man, because we need it. So after this short break, we're going to revisit how Chinese social systems are going to be coming your way if you don't say something. Okay. Welcome back, everyone. I'm going to come out the gates real hard now because we're going to revisit just how on the same page our, um, you know, our presidential cabinet is. We hear that, you know, 
President Trump doesn't trust the who, right? He's said it. He wants to cut funding. He wants to put it down, right? And Pompeo just said that the U.S. may never return to funding the World Health Organization because of the way it operates, including, ah, key, including the COVID-19 crisis. So I want to thank the journalist uh, that sent this out to me. And in a second demand, Pompeo told Fox News' Laura Ingram on Wednesday night, and I'll play that clip, that Dr. Tedros, the director general, uh, will have to step down before Washington restarts any suspended contributions of nearly a billion of whose 2.4 billion annual budget. Now, I told you that Tedros is a malaria expert. I told you that Bill Gates is in this. It's like he's the board of director without having it. And then you see the people that thump, that thump Bill Gates and the who, right? And so uh, that's pretty interesting. That's very, very, very interesting. So I am going to play the clip from Laura Ingram. Uh, Give me a second. Let me get that up. Uh, One. There we go. Uh, While I get you the other clip to just see exactly where we're standing and where the clowns are standing. Remember, Pompeo said that he had a list of Chinese operatives. Remember that governor that I told you, the North Dakota governor earlier this morning, tweeting it out, how he's on a friendly list with the Chinese government, obviously not answering that question. And when asked that question, he sits silent. But I can tell you, translated, he's friendly. So that's number one. Number two, he equated the relationship he has with the president of the United States to that of Bill Gates. That should tell you everything you know. You are the governor of the state of North Dakota. You are a leader for almost a million American citizens, and you are a constituent of the pres- of the presidents. And you sit there and say, I'm not going to take sides on, you know, I'm not going to get in the middle of President Trump and Bill Gates. Are you kidding? The global emergency declaration on January 30. And that was declared based on experts' opinion. I think we declared the emergency at the right time and when the world had enough time to respond. That was WHO Director General, former Marxist revolutionary. We gave you that expose the other night. Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus, who just today offered his defense of his handling or, of course, mishandling of the coronavirus outbreak. Now, this comes about a week after President Trump put a hold on the funding for WHO, which is great news given that organization's complicity in China's COVID cover-up. Joining me now exclusively is our Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo. Mr. Secretary, thank you for being here tonight. Uh, Earlier this week, I said that the global community should demand that Tedros and his cronies resign in order to uh, just get this behind everyone. What's the state of play regarding our relationship right at this moment with the WHO? 
Well, Laura, thanks for having me on. Uh, first of all, as you said, the president has stopped all U.S. taxpayer funding for the World Health Organization. Uh, that's completely appropriate given the recent history. Uh, but Laura, you've got a sophisticated set of viewers. Uh, they'll remember this isn't the first time that the World Health Organization has failed to do what it needs to do when a pandemic begins to break out. Uh, in fact, uh, I'm very worried that we're still not getting it right. So well, you, you recounted what happened in January and the delayed announcement about the pandemic and uh, the fact that China had asked them not to announce it, and the World Health Organization didn't do that. Um, but even today, uh, the Chinese government hasn't permitted American scientists to go into China, to go into not only the Wuhan lab, but wherever it needs to go to learn about this virus, to learn about its origins. Look, we know it began in Wuhan, um, but we need to figure this out. There's an ongoing pandemic. We still don't have the transparency and openness we need in China, and it is the World Health Organization's responsibility to achieve that transparency. They're not doing it. They need to be held accountable. And what's been great is to see other countries around the world to begin to recognize the WHO's failures as well. And this is an opportunity, Mr. Secretary, for the United States to take a leadership role, given the closeness that the WHO has with China, which spends a lot, a fraction of the money we've been sending to the WHO. So given all of this, given everything that's happened, Shouldn't Tedros be called on to resign before we go forward at all in a relationship with the WHO? I think we've got to take a real hard look at the WHO and what we do coming out of this. Lord, we reformed this back in 2007, so this isn't the first time we've had to deal with the shortcomings of this organization that sits inside the United Nations. Uh, we, we need a fix. We need a structural fix for the WHO. If we're talking about real accountability here, the guy who's leading the organization I don't see how he can be part of the solution. So tonight you're not ruling out that not that might be one of the uh, requirements for going forward with the WHO. You're not ruling it out. No, I think that's right. Laura, even more than that, it may be the case that the United States can never return to underwriting right. to having U.S. taxpayer dollars go to the WHO. We may need to be have even bolder change than that. Yeah, make our own organization. All right, Mr. Secretary, Senator Tom Cotton wrote a phenomenal piece in the Wall Street Journal yesterday saying that the U.S. government is investigating whether COVID-19 came from a government lab in Wuhan. Evidence is circumstantial, to be sure, but it all points toward the Wuhan labs. Well, China absolutely disavows any uh, 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 culpability from that lab, as does the chief scientist, world-renowned scientist who runs that lab. She said the same thing in interviews over the last week. Do you agree, though, that this is what the state of our information now is that this lab was the source of the virus that has done huge damage and loss of life in the United States? Well, Laura, we don't know precisely where it started, and that's, that's the core problem. China kicked out journalists when the United States, under President Trump, tried to get in to conduct the very investigation that needs to still be undertaken. It still hasn't been done. When we tried to do that, the Chinese denied access not only to the lab, but to the wet markets, to all of the places that one would need to go to identify the original source for this virus. We're still trying to get that information. We're still seeking transparency. Your predecessor, I know you guys are tech pals, John Kerry, claims, Mr. Secretary, that we need to entangle ourselves even further with China going forward. Watch. We have to work with China. You have to work with China on COVID-19, on all pandemics. You have to work with China on the 
security challenges of the region. You have to work with China on uh, cyber and cyber warfare. And right now, I think the president is all over the place and even heading in the wrong direction. On cyber warfare, we have to, we have to work with China. Secretary Pompeo, we got, we're getting drones from China to spy on American citizens, some of our mayors and localities. Uh, but John Kerry says, let's keep it going. I'm not sure where to begin, Laura, other than to say that President Trump has taken a fundamentally different view uh, with China uh, than President Obama did and Secretary Kerry did, whether it was the unfair trade relationship the president's attempting to untangle, whether it's being serious with China that says when you conduct cyber attacks against us, we're not going to tolerate that. And here, even in this, we, we'd love to find a way to cooperate with the Chinese, frankly, on, on all of those things. Um, but it takes it takes a partner who's willing to do that. And as you described, uh, the biggest threat isn't our ability to work with China on cyber. It's to make sure that we have the resources available to protect ourselves from Chinese cyber attacks. Uh, th right. These are the kind of things that President Trump is taking seriously, and we, we have to make sure that we recognize the challenge that China presents to America and work with them where we can. Well, I have to ask you, uh, in closing, Mr. Secretary, about a tweet from President Trump earlier today. He said, I've instructed the United States Navy to shoot down and destroy any and all Iranian gunboats if they harass our ships at sea. Now, this came after uh, Iran uh, had successfully put into orbit what is called its first, um, I guess, its first uh, satellite, um, uh, military satellite, hours before this tweet. So where do things stand at this hour? Is, that's a pretty serious threat coming from the United States. And what's next? It is pretty serious. It's, uh, it's a coincidence you asked that question right about talking about John Kerry. You'll recall when, uh, under the Obama administration with Secretary Kerry, they took 10 of our Navy sailors. John Kerry apologized to get them back. Uh, this is a very different approach from our president. He takes seriously the obligation to protect our forces wherever they may be, in this case on naval ships in the Arabian Gulf. We're going to do everything we can to make sure we defend our folks and continue to deter the Islamic Republic of Iran. You know, Laura, last thing to say. So, okay, so stopping on that one, we've got Space Force on it. You know, they, they, they sorted us out with Soleimani, remember? So we're good uh, when it comes to Iran. And by sea, <laughs> you can try. So, because we've got the best Navy. Uh, so here we are where Secretary, uh, uh, the Secretary of State is pretty much saying, you know, the who is not someone we want. The who is not someone we trust. Same thing the president said, but listen to the guy pushing the app for you to be tracked. Posted you were going to be on. I've been sort of incorporating some of those questions from people in our conversation already, but I mean, we just got so much. So if you don't mind. For the record, none of the questions I submitted were answered, but okay. Sure, just because there's so many questions here, we can kind of rapid uh, fire some stuff. So Representative Becker said also, you know, if you want, your kid can go to a full capacity child care center, but can't go to the playground. Last week, we had Fargo Mayor Tim Mahoney say, if you go to the playground with 10 or more people, you could potentially be subject to a $1,000 fine. Do you concur with that? Well, uh, I can't speak for uh, what local rules are in all the but he's saying, but, Sir, I don't mean to interrupt you. What he's saying is that if you break the governor's executive order and you're with 10 or more people at a, at a playground, you could be subject to a $1,000 fine. Well, local, inf local enforcement is up to local agencies, but it's also not true because 
We issued, an, we issued emergency child care grants where child care centers had to reduce their density in those child care centers if they're going to qualify for the grants. So we did modify uh, how, how we were doing child care in the state of North Dakota because we understood that was necessary for us to get all those frontline workers, keep them going. Okay. Uh, in the- uh, Laura Dahl asked, why was the factory in Grand Forks open when wind, winter, when wind energy is not really necessary? Well, this is a, again, this is a thing you've just been, you know, saying you got all these people saying, why isn't everything open? Well, certainly uh, energy is considered an essential industry in America, regardless of what source it comes from. And when we flip the light switch, we want to make sure that electricity comes on. And so uh, there is not in any plant for any kind of energy in any state didn't fall under the shelter in place to stay at home. Every energy business has been open across America uh, during this entire thing, governor. and they would have fallen underneath. Under- Remember, he's the governor of one of the most oil-heavy, energy-centric, farm-centric states in the nation. North Dakota protects, because we have one of the most incredible uh, nuke bases, Air Force bases, my not Air Force base uh, motto is, only the best come north. Uh, uh, North Dakota also feeds and fuels the United States of America. This guy is a governor of a state that is very underestimated into what it possesses. And this is why the population is so small. Underneath that same uh, criteria. Governor, but we you- all close no manufacturers in North Dakota. So it didn't matter what you were making in North Dakota. If you were a manufacturer, you could remain open. And I, I think everyone in our, in our state loves and respects you. But, but to say that wind is essential, I think it's going to be hard for some people to grasp. Can you help clarify that, please? We never said it was essential. You just did, sir. No, we we said energy is essential, not wind. All kinds of energy is essential, and all manufacturers stayed open, Chris. And so uh, it's an an interesting question, but it doesn't really apply here because all manufacturing was open in North Dakota. All right. The other one is uh, Patty Jo Meyer says, why is the quarantine for the LM workers not including family members and then how are you going to enforce the quarantine order for the LM work? Okay, so that's where they get a quarantine order just for specific people uh, and uh, that work for a specific company. Let me jump forward to where he doesn't want to talk about Bill Gates. Take a listen. More positives we're catching at that household member. That subject to a $1,000 fine as well, or what's the enforcement? Let's just Enforcement is local health department. That's okay. how that would get done locally. Governor, I got to ask you this just because you're friends with him. So I want to get your reaction. Uh, Bill Gates tweeted out last week when President Trump wanted to halt funding to the WHO. Zach, if you can bring the graphic up, please. But Bill Gates said halting funding for the World Health Organization during a world health crisis is as dangerous as it sounds. Their work is slowing the spread of COVID-19. And if that work is stopped, no other organization can replace them. The world needs the World Health Organization now more than ever. Now, before we listen to his response, remember, the president has said no on who. Pompeo has said no on who. The people that are representing the people have said no on who. Who also is led by an expert in malaria and knew that hydrochloroquine works and said nothing. China. 
right? China, China, China. So we're getting this, right? Now listen to the response of this governor. This is, this is very, you know, you would never think that it would come out, but you know, something I said in 2018 and I've been saying is never only look at the nerve, the nerve center of Washington, DC, you know, Senate house and all these other clowns that are more federal. You always have to look at the peripheries. This this governor has not only depl- just just listen to this. Do you agree with Bill Gates on this? Well, I'm I'm not a uh, going to jump in the middle between uh, the president of the United States and Bill Gates. About- Wait a minute. Not jump in between the president and Bill Gates. They're not the same. One is the one that feeds you and will make you rich. And you are all for this whole agenda that gates, the gates of hell want to unleash. The other is the president of the United States. If I was the president of the United States, I would strongly recommend not to invite this clown over unless it's for a tribunal. About funding for World Health Organization, but uh, because it's, it's an interesting thing where the United States does pay more than any other country for our portion of that, and yet only about three or four percent of the people that work there uh, are uh, are from the United States. Oh, so the problem is we're paying a lot of money, but we only have like three or four percent of the people that work for the World Health Organization, American. Hold on. We pay a lot of money, but there's a lot of nations, too. Makes no sense. But let's just use that. So that way we can implement clowns like Fauci and Burke and yourself to work for the World Health Organization. Right. So we can have them there and say, well, we're American and we're looking after you. That's not how it works. But, you know, look at how snakes speak. This is. This is parse speak. And so there probably are, if we're going to be the largest funder, then we might want to have a, a, a more, more people from our country working there. Uh, so there could be some changes there. But anytime when, anytime when you're helping fund a nonprofit, uh, you ought to have some say what goes on there. Sir. Uh, and so I, under, I understand that position uh, that, that the president feels that we ought to have more, more say. But I also- That's not what the president said. See, this is parcel tongue. Right. This is how snakes speak. Parcel tongue right there. How? Oh, yeah, I know how he feels that we need more represent. No, he never said that. He said that they're working for China. Right. Bill Gates is working for China. He didn't say anything about we need to be represented more. This is parcel tongue. So understand uh, that this would probably be the wrong time to defund an organization that's probably trying to stop a pandemic. That Sir, has the- so he's saying that we should not stop funding them. Right. Don't stop funding them because we've already taken out Bill Gates on a on a domestic level. Right. That's why he resigned everywhere. Right. So he's talking against what the cabinet of the United States of this administration is telling you and what the president is telling you. Economy to a close. To be fair, sir, they took China's talking points and said, hey, there's no person to person transmission back in like the middle or late January. I mean, they, they clearly lied and people have died because of it. Well, that wasn't your question. Your question was parcel tongue again. You know, should you stop funding them? And clearly mistakes have been made, uh, but really big mistakes where people died, right? This is the organization that's trying to stop a pandemic. And no, they're not. uh, And I guess if uh, people want to have our economy being collapsed longer, then we shouldn't have any coordinated uh, effort around the world to stop it. But if that's our, I would say the best way to try to influence, and if we're a major funder, then we should influence it towards the higher performance uh, going forward. 
Yeah, of course, because that keeps your friend happy and his pockets fat. See, this is where you can see how big enemies come from small places. You know, that's like the rule of thumb, just so you know. So now I'm going to play for you a clip where he was on C-SPAN talking about his app that I wrote about over a week ago, and it's on ToriSays.com, pumping his app of giving people a risk score. You talked, you talked earlier about only using 1% of hospital capacity, I think you said. Um, you, you, do you um, attribute that to the testing that you did early on? You launched an app, a mobile app. Can you talk about that and how it works? Well, we did, uh, we did act uh, quickly when we saw that the virus was coming, but one of the things we know on our path forward uh, is, of course, widespread testing, and everybody's talking about that, but testing needs to be linked with contact tracing. So when we find a positive, we've got a rapid response team to drive-through testing, uh, test a significant number of people around that individual, and then begin a, a thorough contact tracing of all the contacts that they've had. It was largely done at small scale at largely a manual process and telephone interviews and paper. And there's an opportunity to bring technology both to the back end infrastructure uh, through uh, you know, cloud mobile databases that would allow us to track thousands of people and do that efficiently with distributed teams across the state doing localized either in a community or at a tribal setting doing contact tracing. Uh, and then we also use technology because virtually every citizen has got a... I'm going to pause this. Did you hear that community or tribal setting? See, North Dakota has a lot of Native American bases. And unfortunately, and this is a real big unfortunate, the Native American community gets shafted all the time with these stupid things. You understand what, you know... Uh, contact tracing efforts are, right? It's monitoring all your activity, who you came in contact, how, and then you get placed a risk score as a citizen uh, while it tracks you. Now, they claim anonymity, but when you download an app from the Google Play Store, does that app not register or your account with Google Play Store register your device ID, phone number, name, email? Yes, it does. And guess what? When you click access, it'll allow them to use your Google Maps or or any other tracing app history available to them. But just listen to how he tells you about it. You know, supercomputer in their pocket called the you know, smartphone that's got geolocating. And our application allows people to opt in uh, and be completely anonymous. They don't have to enter any personal data whatsoever. Not yeah, because it's all retrieved when you download the app and it runs on your device. Not an email address, not their home address. Uh, don't have a credit card, nothing that would identify them. The app assigns them a 36-digit anonymous random ID number, and then that... Random, you mean the way they randomize numbers when we, uh, you know, have cohorts where we follow people, like we tag whales and donkeys and wolves that run in packs and cows, you know, tag them, right? So you're tagging them with a 30 Six digit, very important, and I will note that on my article because this guy, you know, he's begging for spotlight. He was on C-SPAN convincing people that Chinese uh, risk score systems are great. Information uh, can be used to uh, enable enhanced tracking uh, in the sense that next, say next September, we're wide open and someone uh, that's working at a big box retailer in checkout uh, comes down as a positive, we could alert without knowing who those people are. We could send out a push alert to anybody whose phone had been in that big box retailer and say there's been a positive uh, 
a positive case has appeared at a location that you've been in in the last three or four days when that person might have been symptomatic uh, and would help those people to reach out to our contact tracers and help control the spread. See, he omitted the part that he talked about in an article through the Wall Street Journal where they're going to be assigning risk scores. So if you're a worker, you get a risk score. If you're someone that stays at home in social distances, but you're going out to your friend's house, to the cafe, to pick up food or whatever, your risk score goes higher. So now they're going to see how good of an obedient citizen you are that you stay home because I told you so. This is what they're, this is what they're, they're piloting, they're piloting Chinese tech, Chinese tech. That's insane, right? Now, are the coronavirus lockdowns working? Let's ask Tucker. He'll tell us after the break, of course, uh, cause you know, I love Tucker Carlson because this little tidbit as we analyze it tells you more than what he's saying aside from his schnazzy sarcasm. So while all of you sit at home, while all of you have, you know, absolutely nothing to do, while all of you are stressing, you know, am I getting my Trump bucks? Am I going to get unemployment? Gosh, I know, right? Those are taking forever, like rents do in like a week. Um, And I'm just fortunate that I have really, uh, I'm just fortunate. God, that's it. Just, just pray on that. I'll see you guys in just a bit after this short break where we will break this down more. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. So I'm just going to start off the gate. I'm going to tell you and I'm going to show you just how genius the president of the United States is. Hence his, um, you know, delay in Atlanta, Georgia. Well, the talk about Georgia, you're going to get this. But first, I want us to enjoy a little bit of Tucker because I, I absolutely adore him and how he's asking if coronavirus lockdowns are actually working. Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson. Tonight, a little overview. Here's where we are as of 8 p.m. Eastern, which is to say right now. In many places in this country, Americans cannot go to the park with their children. They can't go to church. They can't have family dinners with their relatives. They can't go to the dentist. They can't get a knee replacement. They can't get married. Tens of millions of them can't afford to do much of anything right now because they're unemployed. But they'd better not complain about it. If they voice their complaints online, they're liable to be censored by the tech companies. If they complain in public, they could be arrested, and a number of them have been. The whims of our political leaders are now unquestioned law. Dissent has been banned, and that ban is relentlessly enforced by the willing stooges in our media who have finally stopped pretending they don't hate you. They definitely do. What country is this? Well, it's a country in a lockdown. We're told we have no choice but to do this, to stop our lives completely. Mass quarantines, they tell us again and again, are the only way to save lives. But that's a lie. They don't know it's true, despite what they claim. There is no scientific record to consult. It's never been done. We're currently living through the largest and most expensive experiment ever conducted in human history. We have spent trillions of dollars and crushed millions of people purely on the guess that a nationwide lockdown would save us from the coronavirus. Has it worked? Was the guess correct? Let's look at the data. That's where we should always begin. It's what our leaders should be consulting daily. Here it is. 
As of tonight, eight U.S. states have not issued statewide shelter-in-place orders for their citizens. Those states are Arkansas, Iowa, Nebraska, North Dakota, Oklahoma, South Dakota, Utah, and Wyoming. The question is, have these states suffered for not locking down? And the answer is no, they haven't, at least not yet. Currently, all eight states are below the national average in coronavirus cases and deaths per capita. That's not to say they've been immune to the virus. They haven't been. But they definitely have not been hit harder than other states. Now, as a matter of social science, those eight states are, it is true, on average, smaller and less dense, in some cases, much less dense than the hardest hit states. But you can adjust the numbers. In a recent article, journalist and professor Wilfred Riley did the math on this. He compared states that are locked down to states without lockdowns. He then performed statistical regressions that accounted for population, density, income levels, age, and racial diversity. He put his formulas right up there and challenged people to run the same numbers through those formulas or change them, come to a different conclusion if they could. No one has so far. Here's what he found. He found that a state's lockdown strategy had virtually no effect on how severe its outbreak of the Wuhan coronavirus was. Are you surprised by this? Maybe you shouldn't be. You can see the same trend at work in other countries. Sweden, most famously, has never locked down. Restaurants there have never closed. That country is still suffering from coronavirus, suffering more, in fact, than we are here in the U.S. But the country's epidemic appears to have peaked. And without locking down, Sweden, and this is the key, has fared far better than other European countries that did lock down. That includes Britain, Italy, Spain, Belgium. How can this be true? It seems to contravene everything we hear all day long. Lockdowns stop the virus. That's what they tell us, almost always at high volume and with maximum outrage and self-righteousness, daring us to disagree. But in fact, there's not much evidence that it's true. Consider the state of California, which is one of the first states to shut down. In a televised statement, Los Angeles Mayor Eric Garcetti bragged that his city was under his absolute personal control. And for that reason, the coronavirus would not spread there. Anyone who disobeyed him would be hunted down. That's literally the phrase Garcetti used. Watch this. This has really been marvelously embraced by 99.9% of people. We see it in the traffic data. We see it in the cell phone data. But we're going to hunt down that last 0.1% and say, you got to get inside, you got to cut it out, and you got to distance. We're going to hunt down people who are outside? They spent years calling Donald Trump a fascist, if only. Garcetti, you may have just heard, bragged that he was surveilling people's cars and tracking their cell phone use. But even that wasn't far enough for him. Garcetti also intentionally ruined city parks in Los Angeles just so that nobody could use them without his personal authorization. We saw this week, for instance, at the skate park at Venice Beach, and people were there, so we had to put sand into the skate park to make that unusable for now. When we come out of this, we'll clean that sand out. No modern political leader in this country has ever talked like this, ever. And yet suddenly in cities across the nation, so many of them are talking just like that. It's authoritarian. Has this new authoritarianism produced results apart from a surge of power for the politicians exercising it? Well, let's see. Again, to the numbers. A new study by researchers at USC, University of Southern California, tested large groups of people in Los Angeles County for coronavirus antibodies. They found that as of early April, up to 5.6% of the entire county had contracted the illness. That means up to 320,000 adults in Los Angeles apparently had already had it. 
At the time, the official number of infected people was about 8,000. City officials had no clue. They weren't even close. The virus had spread throughout a huge population right in the middle of the most restrictive quarantine in American history. What does that tell you? It tells you the lockdown didn't work. The question is, why exactly did it fail? And we don't know. We can only guess. Maybe people ignored the requirements of it or maybe full enforcement of it was impossible, despite the fact they were tracking people's cars and cell phones. Ha! They were already tracking it, but now we have this governor from the state of North Dakota that is vital, that is a backbone to our nation, right? Pushing to give them permission because they can't arrest you for violating lockdown if you haven't permitted them because we still have that darn constitution, don't we? Or maybe forcing people to stay inside all day isn't actually a good way to contain a virus. Whatever the reason that it failed, it did. Our leaders guessed wrong. They claimed that a lockdown would halt the spread of the virus. It did not do that. Not even close. And they need to admit that. And then we need to change our approach based on the science, not on their whims, on the numbers on what we've learned. The real numbers, not the assumed coronavirus death numbers, right? Because like I said in March, early March, they're blowing the numbers up. Like I said in February, remember how Pelosi is going to talk about this, this whole fortune cookie thing and her trip is going to be very important. But we're not doing that. Public officials are instead, by and large, ignoring any evidence that indicts their policies or critically, that might threaten their new and much-loved power. They don't want to know what the facts are. Indeed, some of them are even now, right now, promising even longer lockdowns, ones that extend maybe through the end of the summer, and even tougher punishments for those who disobey them. They're deploying drones to catch people who... Ah, there we go. Drones to catch people. We'll talk about this. Dare to go outside. Americans, this is insanity. It is definitely, and this cannot be stated emphatically enough, it is definitely not science. This is not science. It has nothing to do with the public's health, much less the broader public interest. This is instead what happens when mediocre people suddenly find themselves with godlike power, deciding who can go outside, when people can get married, which medical procedures you're allowed to have. That's a feeling of omnipotence, and they like that feeling. It fills an empty place inside. They don't want to give it up. They want it to last forever, even as the country dies. Yes, they do. And they will then take sides with those that they love the most. I mean, you can't come in between the president and Bill Gates. I mean, that would just be wrong. Now, drones. Now, I've told you guys how the drones are a big problem, right? I've told you how Senator Hoven of North Dakota, another snake that speaks, speaks parcel tongue, right, um, is right on top of it. And guess who's promoting drones? You guessed it. The corrupt Governor Doug Burgum, which I am on that tweet that I put out this morning, just attaching that little tidbit to to it. Because it's important for all of you to see just how corrupt they are, just how they do not want to lose power once they have it and when they're able to. Remember, 
Pompeo has the list of friendly governors. We got that. Pompeo also said the who is not our friend. Yet in this little state with under a million people, they're getting apps to track them and give them risk scores. And they're using sky scopes that the senator and the governor are pushing like nobody's business. So in this little tiny state... That has absolutely hardly any casualties compared to to other states. They're under the most Gestapo regime there is. And everyone's like coronavirus. So these are the things that we need to be paying attention to. But here's where I give you the oomph. And here's where North Dakota is actually excluded. Because they hoard money away from the people. You know they've got millions and millions and millions. Because they only have the only state-run bank. Yeah, that Senator Hoven actually was president of and governor he was also governor of that state and they still tax their actual residents even though they're one of the richest states with surplus in the nation so i'm going to play a tidbit of how mcconnell has been facing backlash after saying states should declare bankruptcy ah here we go this is why the lockdown is good for you and me take a listen maybe in favor of allowing states to use the bankruptcy uh, uh All right, well, that was Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell facing backlash now after saying that he favors allowing states to declare bankruptcy. Yes, he does. Do you think that a state can actually file bankruptcy? Well, what if I told you they could? So what if I told you that if they file bankruptcy, what happens? That's a question you need to ask yourself, because if the governors decide that they want to maintain their states in that closed area and we're like, hey, you know, you do your thing, you know, there is actually no mechanism for state bankruptcies. But if there were right, if there were, it would start from a municipal bankruptcy to then a total state bankruptcy. And we could see this with the unemployment numbers jumping. They got to pay for it. And the question is, who's going to give them the money? rejecting calls for a federal bailout of states that are struggling to pay their bills amidst the pandemic. Wait a minute. So you don't get a federal bailout. So you need to figure out what you're going to do, because if coronavirus is hurting you so bad and you need to monitor your citizens with drones and apps and everyone's dying, then you need to figure out how the government can come in and help. If the government is telling you, well, I'm giving you ships, I'm giving you beds, I'm giving you ventilators. What more do you want? Oh, I just need to pay people. No, man, if you're not, if you don't have the numbers and I'm seeing that the people dying are actually actually a car crash and not really coronavirus, I can't justify giving you money. Remember, we talked about this two weeks ago, right? Listen. Joining us now is Louisiana Congressman and House Republican Whip Steve Scalise. Congressman, good morning. Great of you to be here this morning. So do you share in supporting bankruptcy option for states as McConnell just detailed? Well, Sandra, first, it's good to be with you. And let's keep in mind, uh, we've spent trillions of dollars to to try to keep our economy held together to keep small businesses and families and jobs. But there was $150 billion that went to states in the last bill, the, the CARES Act, that we passed a few weeks ago. That $150 billion is just starting to get to states. Each state was given an allocation to, to, based on population. And then the states and local governments have access to that money to get them through the COVID-19 crisis. And so, um, you know, as some governors that were having financial problems before this crisis, keep in mind, uh, are talking about a bailout for themselves. 
Just remember, there's $150 billion that just went out the door. Most of those states got that money in their bank account Mm -hmm. earlier this week. So they have that money. Uh, Before they start talking about a bailout from the federal government for problems they had prior to COVID-19, let's make sure that this money that was spent, uh, that they're just getting now is spent properly. Well, and that is the case that Mitch McConnell made in a series of interviews. And Governor Andrew Cuomo from New York, hardest hit in the United States with this pandemic, he responded to it. Here's the governor. Yeah, it's one of the dumb statements of all time. How does that help the national economy? States should be should declare bankruptcy. He then says this is a bailout to the blue states, which was a really offensive statement. So to, so to finish up on, on that point, you. Yeah, offensive statement. Well, you're the one that wants Gestapo in there. You're the one that wants, you know, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> illegal migrants. No, they're just illegal aliens. They're trespassers on this soil, on this precious U.S. 100% American soil. You want to lock them up? You want to monitor them? Then you need to figure it out. And you know what? Maybe Governor Doug Burgum can stick it out longer because he has his own money, but that's going to run out too. And knowing North Dakotans really well, they won't take lightly to it. And finally, they can see that they are smothered in fake news. They are not getting in. Half of them don't even know that these drones are coming their way. Half of them are getting tools, tools that have been their voice supposedly for decades on the radio, on TV, for decades, telling them and softballing, oh, these drones are totally going to help us. Yeah, you'll have a drone taking a picture of you. Why'd you walk out of your house? Here comes the police Gestapo to round you up. Uh, Here's a drone that says, well, you met with your neighbor and exchanged a cup of sugar. Violation. Oh, you have no idea. Listen to what Scalise says about the bankruptcy, because this is how you boomerang. You support Mitch McConnell saying that states should lean on the bankruptcy option over leaning on federal funds. Well, again, let's keep in mind, uh, hundreds of billions of dollars are going to states, not just the hundred and fifty billion that was in the CARES Act specifically for state and local governments, but there's also unemployment money. There's money, of course, we're gonna pass more money for small businesses to help save those small businesses. And by the way, when that money, 75% of the money we're gonna pass today in the PPP, the Paycheck Protection Program, has to be spent on workers, bringing workers off the unemployment rolls. That also saves states money. So for, for some of these governors, again, I mean, these are states you're talking about, New York had real serious financial problems prior to COVID-19, they're getting flush with cash from the federal government for this crisis. Uh, Businesses and workers are getting money as well. Uh, We know there's a shortfall everywhere. The real answer to that, Sandra, is to get our economy back open. You've heard President Trump talk about this, uh, the need to uh, make sure that we're we're not trading off between safety of our health and safety of our economy. You can and must do both, but you've got to start getting people back to work in a safe way over these next few weeks. And look, we're learning a lot more from our medical experts about how to do that, which includes social distancing. But we, you know, you're hearing from all these small businesses that say even with money from the federal government, they can't hang on for another month or two.
All right. So we'll see where the rest of your colleagues on both sides of the aisle stand on that. Congressman, a couple big votes happening in the House this morning. You just heard Chad Pergram uh, lay that out for our audience. Obviously, the first one on the Oversight Committee, uh, there will be a vote on that. And then the $484 billion measure, phase three and a half bill, 3.5. Where do you stand on it? Do you support it? Yes, I support the measure to replenish the Paycheck Protection Program. This has been a lifeline. But we're going to make sure that it is a paycheck protection program, because remember when President Trump was like where they were saying he said coronavirus was a hoax and he was like, "Okay, they're going to bury me in pop 25. Let's get all these clowns up. Here's your specialist. Oh, my gosh, you're going to die. Let's do this. Better to rare to to make an error on the good side rather than be unprepared. Oh, you need ventilators here. Oh, wait, you don't need so many. Wait a minute. North Dakota. Oh, my gosh, you're all dying. You, You have these many beds, but you're only occupying like five. Right. Okay, we'll play along. We believe that they need to be on lockdown because that's what you want. But you want a federal bailout? There will be stipulations. And we will make sure that the poor people of the United States of America, the small businesses that run and fuel us, mm, will stay afloat. This time, we won't have gaps for big companies or big universities to be able to take money. You don't count. We need to fix those rules. And that's what's going to happen. You want a federal bailout? We want a clean audit. Let's see why you need the money. Oh, wait a minute. This? Well, why are you doing this when you're in a crisis? Uh, well, can't help you. Maybe you need to file for bankruptcy. Oh, and what happens when bankruptcy occurs? So, If these municipalities, these cities actually recognize their debts, right? What happens? We talk about liabilities exceeding their assets, which the majority of these blue states, like Cuomo says, already have that kind of budget, right? And even if uh, we do see that balance, you know, if they're not liquid enough, right? If they have some assets um, that exceed the liabilities, but they're not liquid, well, then you still got to file for bankruptcy. So this is how it happens. Places like Obama land, uh, you know, Cuomo land and Newsom land, all of them are going to be insolvent in this second sense that they have assets, but they can't liquidize them, right? So what does that mean? Oh, that means we own you. We means me and you. Yes. The United States of America from now on owns you and we start distributing your assets. Oh, but they don't want that because they need that. Oh, but that's how it works. See, if we get them to file bankruptcy, they can't continue to do what they do. They can't allow illegal immigration. They can't allow cartels to operate. They can't harbor human and child trafficking. They can't float their uh, little puppets. They can't push their propaganda. And guess what? They can't do anything. So we even though there's no obvious like uh you know map and layout on how a state can declare bankruptcy don't worry about it we're pretty innovative we can get that to happen so uh you know this is uh you know a question of 
You know, if a state files bankruptcy, they are no longer sovereign. And Newsom's speech of we're sovereign, we have our own constitution. Well, you just killed your own constitution. You just shot your own power in the foot because you wanted to maintain it at any cost. And this is the game plan. This is how you use the situation you are at. And like I said, President Trump is riding this corruption wave like a pro surfer. You know, one of those biggest waves that come out, where is it? Um, in, in Thailand, isn't it? Where uh, the biggest waves come. I know that they say that there's like this big dangerous wave thing in Hawaii, but he's going to surf this to nobody's business. This is how you put them in the box. This is how you expose them and you let them go. So, as 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 the day progresses today, pay attention to what uh, you're going to be seeing coming from the president of the United States. Take a listen to what they're saying. You see how quickly they just covered up. Oh, Mitch McConnell said bankruptcy. Guys, this is a Trump card. You know, this is where, oh, dear. Sorry, Newsom. You can't afford it. Yeah. You know, I gave you so much help. I did ventilators. I mobilized the Navy and gave you a boat. You didn't need it. I've got masks for you. I mean, I don't know what else to do. Am I just supposed to be? Is this the United States of California? No, it's not. I've got another 49 to look after. Oh, Chicago, Illinois, you've got a problem. Right now, you can't even pay people who win the lottery. All you give them is an IOU. I mean, you got nothing. And I'm giving you everything and it's still not working. I mean, I don't know what to say. I think you got to file for bankruptcy. Now, states like uh, North Dakota, Idaho, uh, Michigan have a little bit of a better position, especially North Dakota. And this is why I'm focusing my attention on this governor. This governor is so horrific. And let me tell you, he's a friendly on China. You want to know why? So this guy bought property that he knew was in an area that floods. Why not buy property? And he wants to develop skyscrapers and make Fargo, you know, awesome, right? Whatever, right? Good on you. But the thing that he doesn't say is that he got a loan from this group that invests of $77 million, right? 77 to help him do this building. Let me tell you what, look at the company that gave it to him. You want to know 98% of their investors in real estate development, what they are? Wait a minute. Let's stop right there. Think back to how many reports they say, how did the Chinese infiltrate the United States? So they send students, but what else? They got Chinese money, right? Chinese, when you're rich in China, what do you do? You own property. So I would say if anyone, and I know they are, are listening, we need to probe and see how, how much of those dollars were actually Chinese-derived dollars behind one, two, three, four degrees of separation. Ah, and that is how you let them see your true face. It's like pulling out all these layers of onions. I mean, politics, guys, is an onion. So Tor was not, um, you know, created as a name on a whim because the Internet is like an onion. And information is always there in that cyberspace. The cyberspace that everyone can access, but not the really secure one that the really um, good ones can. So on that note, you guys, I want to say God bless. I'll see you here tomorrow. Same time, same place. Giving you the news the way it should be. Raw. A little bit clumsy. Maybe that was purposeful. God bless from all of us here at Red State.